And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine whatever you're doing right now, I want you to imagine your phone has just buzzed. It's not a text message, it's not a phone call, it's a message from your government. And the message says the following. Missiles in the air. Take shelter. Do not stay outside. In case you think this is a Hollywood movie or the plot for Glenn Beck's next vision of what he wants to do, it's not. This message or a version of this message was sent to millions of Japanese people last week. Just think about how we would feel if that happened to us. That happened because North Korea, an evil empire type of government, decided to, oh, I don't know, for kicks and giggles, for a show of strength, to intimidate people, wanted to send a missile across the sea, send a missile across Japan, just to, you know, show how strong they are. And then, of course, because it is a a communist dictator-led government, they said, oh, we didn't actually fire it over Japan. We just fired it into the ocean just because, you know, why not? America, we live in a world where evil, and yes, North Korea is evil, even if Kamala Harris doesn't know the difference between North Korea and South Korea, North Korea is the evil one, Miss Vice President, just in case you need a spoiler alert. We are seeing real evil before our eyes. We're seeing it in Russia. You know, if you're a longtime listener to this show, I've been greatly saddened by the American response to Russia over the last four, five, ten years. Russia is the evil empire. The Russian people are good and honest people. Their government and Vladimir Putin is evil, is despicable, and is one of the worst people living today. But America, we will always face evil. Whether you're a non-believer and you think this world is 6 billion years old, or whether you're a Christian or a Jew who believes the world is 6,000 years old, pick up a history book. You will find evil everywhere. We can talk about Genghis Khan. We can talk about Hitler. We can talk about Stalin and Lenin. We can talk about the little rocket man, as Donald Trump used to call him in North Korea. We can talk about the Ayatollah in Iran right now. You want to talk about him real quick, because here's what's really annoying for me as a person who is newly to this country, this country that I see as a shining city on a hill. I saw earlier this year where the Ukrainian flag was everywhere. And in case people are wondering who I'm calling out right now, I'm calling out my libertarian friends. Oh, how cool it was to have the Ukrainian flag up earlier this year. 
But yet, when it comes to what happened in Iran and what is going on right now, you know what I see? You know what I hear? Crickets. It's not cool to be for Iran, is it? It's not cool. It's not hip. But, ah, oh, baby, I get me that Ukrainian flag. Make it my profile picture on social media. I will see it. Evil will always exist. I don't want to talk to you about evil, America. I want to talk to you about goodness. And yes, may I say, this is scriptural. This is in the Gospel of Matthew, where people will literally take their lamp and put it under the table and cover that light up. And what are we told to do if you're a Christian? We're told to take that light out from under that table and place it firmly on that table to illuminate the way forward for everybody. What is that light? Mark, I could talk to you about evil all day long. I could do a show after show after show of, of how we face evil right now. I could. Why do I not choose to do that? Firstly, selfishly. I would get so depressed. And in case you tuned in, didn't tune in last week, we've, we've, we know my issues with depression. I would be so, oh my God. I'd be Hillary Clinton's very quickly. But also, what would you gain from it? Evil is there. You know, we live in this world where we love to complain. It's too hot. It's too cold. I'm ready for fall. I'm not ready for fall. Oh, it's too snowy. It's not snowy enough. We love complaining. I don't want to give you complaints. I want to give you solutions. And may I say, this is where Americans can learn from immigrants. You see, I call it rhetoric. And people say, oh, we don't live in the times anymore. But I still see America as the shining city on a hill, the beacon of light for the rest of the world. But it's not just because you're America. It's not just because you're Americans. It's because of what you historically stood for. What are you going to stand for, America? Because the tide is shifting. We are living in times of real evil. And I want to show it to you. I want to share a couple of real quick stories with you. And then we're going to get into the main part of the show. You see, you're facing real evil right now. They don't care who you are. They want to destroy you. There's a quick story I want to share with you from England. A guy you will have never heard of. Captain Sir Tom Moore. This guy is a World War II veteran. This guy actually faced down Nazis. And if you read social media today, Nazis are the bad people. We all know this, right? This is a universal truth. And he came to fame recently during COVID. Forget your feelings on COVID. But this is a guy who is 99 years of age on a walker. And what did he do? He rounded his nursing home building and every lap he took, he asked people to donate to a GoFundMe to raise for the NHS. Now, it's very easy to make this political and about socialized medicine and the NHS and the pros and cons. This has nothing to do with it. This guy said, I am going to do something. And what did they do to his statue this week? Eco-zealots tried to destroy it. This is a guy who did nothing wrong. This is a guy who, during a bad time in English history with COVID, when the lockdowns were really hard, stood up for him. And they just sought to destroy him. Why did I tell you this story? Because they don't care about you. Evil wants to destroy you no matter who you are, what you are, what you stand for. You must comply, comrade. 
Oh, you, you're a World War II veteran? Doesn't matter. Comply. Oh, you're a guy who raised millions for the NHS during COVID? Doesn't matter. Comply. We will send you a message. But what is the answer? The answer is America. The answer is freedom. The answer is the Declaration of Independence. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what we need to get back to. It's time to get back to the soaring rhetoric of America. It's time to get back to the point in time where we actually believe as Americans, and yes, I said we for a reason. It's time to remember just who the hell we are. We changed the world and we're going to change it again. Now, this isn't some empty kumbaya type of hope of, well, we're always Americans and we're always going to do it. We're always going to overcome. No. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to blow smoke up your behind America and say, oh, if you just do this, everything's easy. It's going to be really hard. But you know what? Heaven knows how to put a price upon its bounty. In the words of the great, great Thomas Paine, freedom isn't easy. But freedom has never been a price that Americans have been unwilling to pay. You look at this from your founding. You look at this going back prior to your founding. All those men and women and children who aborted the Speedwell and the Mayflower. That wasn't an easy journey. 50% of them died before they got to America. Freedom isn't easy. I want you to think back over the last 10 years. And it's easy to look at the last 10 years and not have a lot of hope, right? Oh, well, 10 years ago, it was 2012. Do you remember the 2012 election? Oh, Mitt Romney. Remember the big quote from 2012? Oh, the 1980s called Mr. Romney. They want their foreign policy back. That was probably one of the most iconic quotes of the 2012 election. And then you had the four years of Barack Obama. And some people had hope from that, and some people had a lot, of, a lot of pain from that. And then we had Donald Trump. And some people had hope from that, and some people had lost their ever-loving minds. Oh, my God, we had pussy hats, and we had all that type of fun. We had the riots of Black Lives Matter. And then we have Joe Biden with inflation, with the economy failing, with gas prices going up and up and up. Notice how they're not tweeting anymore about gas prices going down anymore. But over that 10-year period, there's been some ups and downs. But there's been one monumental shift politically. In 2012, conservative Latinos were plus nine in polls towards the Democrats. They're now plus 56 for the Republicans. A monumental shift. Now, can you imagine what's happened over the last 10 years for that shift? If you're a real, true conservative constitutionist, we haven't had very many wins. We can't identify one level of government that we actually want to abolish anymore. The Department of Education, do we want to abolish that? Department of Energy, Department of HUD, the IRS, do we want to abolish any of these anymore? Has the last 10 years been a real great victory for conservative limited government? Or has it been a success for certain politicians with certain good agendas? Can you imagine if we got back to the Declaration of Independence, how much we would change things, America? My question to you today is, what do you want to do? What do you want to stand for? 
This show will always proudly stand for the Declaration of Independence because we can solve this problem. This world needs a lot of solutions, but the easiest solution is leave people alone and don't take their stuff. A message so simple and so yet misunderstood. Welcome our executive producer to the show, Tina. What did I miss? Hello, Jonathan. I'm surprised that you missed the following story. Is it a good story or an evil story? Because I really want a good story right now, okay? Don't don't set my blood pressure up more. I guess it depends on the way that you look at it. Oh, okay. This should be fun. Well, we know Governor DeSantis being the man that he is, the GOAT sent illegal immigrants down to New York. That way they could have a taste of what Florida is going through. You know about that, correct? He did what now? Sorry, I like Ron DeSantis. I, I heard Ron DeSantis like, oh, this is going to be a good story. And then you kind of lost me. What? Well, we know that he wanted to share the glory of mm-hmm. what was happening in Florida by sending these immigrants to other locations, such as New York, yeah. correct? I know, that was amazing. And then he sent them to Martha's Vineyard. That was hilarious. I love this story. Tell me more. Well, What's he done now? He sent them to New York, and New York decided that they were going to play tit for tat. What they did is, after the hurricane, they decided that they wanted to help out Floridians, which is really kind, right? That's a good thing to do. Well, what they did is they sent some of these illegal aliens back to Florida to help out in the cleanup effort. And not only that, they were so... Oh, it gets better? It gets better? Oh. Due to the gracious offer of a company, these illegal aliens are going to Florida to help And they are going to be rewarded for their efforts. They are going to be paid $15 an hour, $22 an hour for overtime, $15 for meals. And they are going to help out in this massive effort. You have got to be freaking kidding me. Really? I swear by the Bible. Smiling at me right now. As the Kardashians say, Bible. Oh, my God, God, America. Right. So I was hoping you were going to take this show in a very different route. But since you want to discuss this, this is what annoys me. I wish I could be a member of the left. And I'll tell you why. I would love nothing more right now than to play victim. To get on this show and say, hey, look at me, per me. I've tried to do things the right way. I waited in line for 18 years, started this process of moving here legally last November, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I still have not received my green card number. Or sorry, my social security number. I won't get my green card for another year because it takes so freaking long with your government. But I can't work. I'm literally on the last dimes of my savings. I have no more money. I come here not to take. I come here to give. And people like me who are waiting in line get totally disrespected. 
Why is this fair? I could do a per woe is me. I could, hey, I could even use the, the line about the racism in America. Can I go, hey, look, America, what have you got against Irish people? Back in the 1900s, it was no patties, no blacks. You're discriminating. Have you not learned from your past, America? Hello, I'm a patty. I'm the pasty white Irish boy. Doesn't work. By the way, in case you're wondering where that came from, my boss at the Blaze called me that this week in a whole different context and stuff. He basically said the pasty white Irish boy would not survive in certain parts of this country, which I fully agree. And the part of the place of the country he was talking about was Michigan and Detroit. I totally agree. I would not survive in Detroit. Bad idea sending me to Detroit. But that's a whole different story. Why is there so much hate towards illegal immigrants? Like you could say to people, and I'm not, this is not me, by the way. This is all the other people who are still here waiting in line to get their social security number. Hey, go help Florida. Go earn your stripes for this country. You're here legally. Go earn money. Keep every paycheck that you earn and know that when your social security number comes, good old Uncle Sam's first job is going to be saying, hey, hand out, you owe us taxes. Cool. No problem. I don't exactly like that. That would be Uncle Sam's first greeting to me. But okay, does that happen? Nope. People who come here illegally get their phones, get their benefits, get all this transportation, and they're, hey, come on down to Florida and work. How is this fair? But now I'm going to get you back, Miss Tina, because you think you can get me. I'm going to get you back. Because I said we in our opening monologue, I'm going to talk about your president. And I say your president because I didn't have a chance to vote for him. And I know you probably didn't vote for me to America. But did you hear this story? So speaking of Florida, I know you're like me, that you have a healthy respect for the military, right? Absolutely. 100%. Now, before we get on, we do have to clarify this. Do we class the Coast Guard as military? <laughs> that is a good question, because I'm not sure about that. I, I know I know my military friends don't. <laughs> By the way, a little short story for you. I remember I, I met up with a couple of military friends. I might have shared this story with you, but I was curious. I've got a good few military friends and I spoke to them about the, the Coast Guard because I don't know if you've ever been around like military and Navy and Marines. They all just like, they, they don't agree on anything, but you just say Coast Guard and all of a sudden the fight just calms down and they just direct their haste. I said to them, I was like in just in the midst of like five or six of them drinking. And they, they, I'm a lightweight. I had like one beer. They were like, I'm beer five. And I went, hey, can I ask you all a question since you're talking about military stuff? Sure. What do you think of the Space Force? And they all kind of looked at each other and sort of went, nothing. And I was like, are they worse or better than the, than the Coast Guard? And they kind of went, they don't even register for us yet because at least the Coast Guard do something. <laughs> <laughs> so i share this in all fun we have to have some fun america because the world is really in a lot of trouble but the coast guards got called in to florida and by our way our thoughts and our prayers and yes they actually mean something are with all the people in florida the devastation is absolutely to an Irish guy who has never seen the impact of a storm like this, it's it, it, it doesn't seem real when you watch it on the TV. I know if other people have been storms, you can visualize it better. But like seeing these streets that just have nothing left on them, bar like debris, it's hard for me to actually imagine what that must be like in reality because I've just never seen the impact of a storm. 
But obviously a lot of heroes stood up and served, including a guy by the name of Zach Lash. He's a, uh, we'll give him his full title. He's an aviation survival technician, second class Zach Lush. Have you heard about him? I have, yes. But <laughs> yeah. please tell us more. So he got a phone call from the president this week. That's that nice. Yeah, right. And did you hear what was in the conversation? A little bit, but not very much. So basically, he's on the ground because uh, obviously parts of Florida can only be accessed by the Coast Guard because of the big storm. Well, President Biden, give him his due. We're not exactly Mr. Biden fans on this show. But he phoned him and said, thank you for your service. Thank you for helping people out. And as anybody, you know, imagine getting a call from the president. Like, just just imagine, like I said, I started the show by imagining the, 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 the message going off on your phone, take shelter. Like, I don't know what comes up when the president phones you, but can you, like, I'm guessing it's the Oval Office or the White House or, you know, I remember Glenn telling me the story where he answers his phone. And it's like, would you hold for the president? And that must be like a bit of a surreal feeling, even if you hate the guy. Or girl, right? It has to be a highlight of your day. That doesn't happen to everyone. No, it doesn't. But he gets a phone call from the president saying, hey, just thank you for your, you know, everything you've done. And, you know, obviously I'm sure they chit-chatted a while. If Joe could remember exactly who he was talking to, (laughs) you know, he's, (laughs) we joke. It's, It's all in love, Mr. President, of course. It's all a joke. It, oh, (laughs) (laughs) it is all a joke (laughs) but then the little the the minutia of the story he's going to get fired in a few days because of said president who kudos for making the phone call and making this guy's day is going to be let go because he refuses to take the vaccine why is this still a story tina you know what it's very interesting Yes, he will be fired in 30 to 60 days. First of all, I have to preface this next part by saying that President Biden declared the COVID pandemic over. Let's start with that. Okay, but can, hold on. Sorry. I, I Listen, you have to get your propaganda in order. He was distracted by shiny, non-moving objects when he said this. Or an ice cream truck. No, it was actually the cars. Do you remember? That was lit- that was legitimate excuse. Like when he was walking and talking, he said that. And they, the press secretary he was did? asked. No, he he was he was in the Detroit Auto Show and he said that. And then the press secretary, who I refuse to say her name because I butcher it even worse than I butchered the prior press secretary's name, said, "Well, you got to remember, he you know he was in an auto show that hadn't happened in two years, and and he was distracted by all the beautiful cars, basically." And it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, there's nothing I could say that I could see a car and kind of go, I mean the exact opposite of what I say. So, but yeah, so he saw a shiny car and was like, ooh, shiny metallic object. Yeah, COVID's over. Ooh, I'm so entranced by the car. Yes. So, but COVID is over. COVID is over. Well, we have a problem in the U.S. military because enlistment numbers are not where they need to be. The army is particularly hard hit by this. They fell short 25% for its recruitment. We are talking about our national security. Mm -hmm. Here is Joe Biden 
thanking this man, as he should, for his heroic efforts. In fact, if I understand correctly, he kicked down a door Mm -hmm. to rescue this woman. So can we just clarify this? Joe Biden didn't kick down a door. (laughs) I don't think Joe Biden is capable of kicking at all, is he? (laughs) Well, if you ask him, he could still totally kick Trump's butt. Yeah, I... (laughs) That's in cuckoo land. (laughs) Yes. So this man kicks down a door to rescue this woman. And I love it because one of the things that he said is when I was out there rescuing people, I don't think they would have cared if I had asked him, do you care? I'm not going to rescue you because I haven't had my COVID vaccination. That wasn't going to happen. They didn't care. Immunized or not, save me. Yes, get me the hell out of here. Yeah. We're joking about this just to try and bring a bit of light to the show, but this is a serious issue. It is. Like, it, like the military should be held, and I want to specify this, the people who serve on the ground and the reserve people should be held with the highest respect because to a see, they're usually 99% good people. The three-star generals and the four-star generals and all those that become political – don't hold them in the same esteem personally. That's just me speaking, Tina. You might be different. But these people who are on the ground who literally are risking their lives, you, we need to be helping these people and serving these people and not making their life harder by saying, hey, buddy, girl, take this vaccine or you lose your job. What did I say earlier in the show? You will comply, comrade. You will comply. Yeah, so I mean, Why? let's... Let's talk about this. Our recruitment is down across all branches. You are going to make it even worse by kicking those out for a pandemic that has ended because they will not comply and get the vaccination. But why are we having trouble recruiting, Jonathan? Well, before we get to that question, I think it's also important just to talk about the COVID vaccine. Like, bear in mind, this is a COVID vaccine that has had no human trials that we're talking about now let me say that again just in case you you're you've been living under a rock no human trials they were tested on not one not two not three not four not five not six not seven but eight little mice now i don't know about you but can you imagine something imagine just walking down the street wherever you live utah oklahoma texas since i spoke about it briefly earlier on detroit you're in detroit and someone says, hey, I got this needle I want to put in your arm. It's totally safe. How do you know it's safe? It's been in eight mice and they didn't die horribly. Are you taking that needle? I wouldn't feel particularly okay with doing that. And on top of everything else, did you know that the efficacy of these vaccinations uh, go down by about 76% in six months? Mm-hmm. So it goes from like a zero or sorry, a hundred percent to like a hundred percent in six months. Is that what you're telling me? A hundred percent to a hundred percent. What? What was that? <laughs> that's that's Fauci math. A <laughs> hundred so, take away 76 is still a hundred. Yes. And what well, they it, want us to get vaccines, I think like every three months now, don't they? Every six months. Every six months. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And also on top of that, there's also a push now because my wife is involved in this and she is going crazy at people to get your baby that's six months old, as young as six months old to get this vaccine. Even though if you count 
if you look at the percentage of kids who've died who've got COVID, look, obviously there's going to be one or two kids who die from COVID, and that is horrifically sad. But we don't set policy by, you know, a couple of, you know, 0.00001% chance of dying from COVID if you get it. But why are we pushing kids as young as six months to get a vaccine that's been tried on ace mice? This is this is this is Mengele type of stuff. I don't and, like thinking about the dark side of this, but mm-hmm. you have to wonder if there's an agenda. The pharmaceutical companies are making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Where is that money going to? Who are they handing some of that money over to? Clearly just the shareholders. What would you suggest? Where else would they hand that money to? You mean like, are you suggesting, young lady, that one greasy, grubby palm greases another grubby little palm? It stands to reason, does it not? I know, right? Yes. And by the way, in case you're listening to this show, we're ju- we just parroted a Democratic talking point under George Bush. In case you think this is some right-wing conspiracy, that was legitimately one of the reasons they hated George Bush, because he was for, quote, big pharma. But let's get back to Mr. Zach Lash. How upset would you be? This is why, like, when I salute the military, I, I do have a bias towards certain aspects of the military, but I always salute the mothers. Can you imagine having a kid in the military today? Like, just think of today in any aspect of the military. You've got to be terrified of under, been under Joe Biden. You've got to be terrified when I tell to share the story about North Korea and Japan. You've got to be terrified of Russia and Ukraine. And then you get sent down, I know they're the Coast Guard, but they still serve, down to Florida. I still respect the Coast Guard. My military friends can disrespect them. I will never disrespect them. I just share the jokes that I get told. And the ones I share are very mild, trust me. But now you have a son that's going to lose his job because he didn't take the COVID vaccine. Like, you're asking why numbers are down? That's pretty much a big part of it, right? That is part of it, but there is much more to it. This is not the same military as it was when my father-in-law was in the military. My father-in-law is a colonel, retired colonel, and this is a very different military. They are struggling to get their numbers, not all their fault. There are different companies such as McDonald's that are offering incentives that previously These people that consider joining the military were joining the military to get these incentives. And now private companies are giving these incentives. But I think what is scarier to me is, well, two things. Number one, they cannot find these young people that are physically fit enough to join the military. I had somebody on my podcast, Jonathan, his name is Ray Griffin. This will be interesting to you. There are basic training camps to get them ready for basic training. Did you know that? So, like, take a test prior to taking a test? Yes, because they cannot get through basic training. In fact, they are having more stress fractures during basic training because these kids that are coming into the military are not healthy enough to get through basic they are talking about either lowering the number of troops in the military or two this is what scares me even more 
is restructuring the military to enable those who couldn't previously qualify can now qualify to get into the military. Is that the fighting force that we want to protect our country, the United States of America, the greatest country, the strongest military force in the world? And this is what we're talking about. They are so concerned with gender ideology, being mean to recruits. They cannot, they're restricted on what they can do now as drill sergeants. Yeah. That time period is when they are weeding out those that cannot handle it physically or emotionally when, excuse my language, the shit hits the fan. Yes. I don't want people in there who can't handle these horrific situations. It's hard enough as it is. We already have a military who have many that are struggling with PTSD. And now we are thinking about lowering the standards in every capacity. How does that make sense? And so if that doesn't work, we're just going to change and we will let more of you get in that shouldn't be there in the first place. How does that make you feel as an American that these are the kids? And they are. They are kids that we are sending out to protect our country. So here's the sad thing. The reason I say we need to pick up history books. And this is a story that's, you know, close to my clan, quote unquote, the Irish. Everybody who listens to your what you just said could say, oh, my God, do you hear the haste from your voice? And they could say you're picking on these poor people. And don't they deserve a chance? Don't they deserve an opportunity to serve their country? They're Americans, too. Well, here's the truth about it. Everyone knows this, that if, as you said, the shit hits the fan and they get to go to war, they're going to be the first ones to die. Now, why did I say if you read a history book? Back in the old days, prior to America, and even after America was founded, the English was called the Great British Empire. And at times was called the Great British Empire of the United Kingdom and Ireland. Ireland was under the English Empire. And any time an English king would go to war, and this is more like in the 10,000s, 1100s, 1200s, 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, who would they send on a battlefield? It wasn't like they had cannons and all back then a lot. It was a case of they had archers and people with swords and, you know, metal pikes and stuff like that, and they'd go into fight. And if you can imagine, it's, it's an asymmetrical war where one side is on one side of the field and the other side is on the other side of the field. And then you charge. Well, who did the English usually send first? Was it an Englishman? Was it a Scotch person? Sometimes. It was usually the Irish. And what they would do strategically is they'd let all the Irish fight and make as much damage as they could because we had the crappy core weapons. And then whatever damage we could inflict until we died, then their own other army was weakened. And then the Englishmen and the Scotsmen would come in or they'd send the Scotsmen second with slightly better weapons and then do as much damage as they could till they died. And then the Englishmen, the royal Englishmen, who are better than everyone else, would come in and destroy the other army. This is history. 
Now, what did I tell that story for? Because who do you think is going to be the Irish person in that story when the English, with the American army? Is it going to be the Marines that are the best of the best of the best of the best? Or is it going to be the person who is like me, who is 6'1 and 300 pounds and, and is like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I kick down one door, let's go. Hands on knees, kind of go. <sighs> who do you think is going to die first? Like we gotta understand that we if we can be all compassionate and and opportunistic as much as we want, but we gotta look out for people as well. We can't just sort of go, well, it you know it makes us all feel good. Anybody can join the military. Doesn't matter your size, your shape, your fitness, your ability, your agility. None of that matters. If you're an American, you can join the military. You can serve too. That sounds great on paper, and then you read a history book and you kind of go, oh dear God. Where do we get to this? How do we get back to common sense? We need to feel that patriotism in this country again. We need to be proud of men. Oh my gosh. Toxic masculinity has taken over this country. I feel like I'm veering into a whole other segment, Jonathan, but I think that that toxic masculinity for those of you listening i've got air quotes up here is infiltrating every part which includes our military yes we need strong warriors and there are women too that are strong we need strong military warriors to protect us and i am not ashamed to say that and i don't apologize amen you know, there's a saying that, you know, if the enemy inside is, or if the enemy outs, or if the inside of you is strong, the enemy outside can do you no harm. We're not strong from the inside anymore, America. It's almost like, I don't know to sound all conspiratorial, it's almost like we're being weakened from within. going to travel to your home country america <laughs> to the great how about this the country where you were born mm -hmm. i prefer to think of it as the the country that shall not be named that one <laughs> never wants to revisit but sure we can call it your name as well or as whoopi goldberg says on the view you know who so we mm -hmm. should we should call it uh where you know where you know where <laughs> we are in ireland there is a new hate crime bill. It is called the Incitement to Violence or Hatred and Hate Crime Bill. That's a mouthful. What this bill entails is legislation for hate crimes by creating new aggravated forms of certain existing criminal offenses. Okay where those offenses are motivated by prejudice against a protected characteristic. This gets me protected characteristic, which would include disability, religion, color, sexual orientation, and gender, which includes gender expression and identity. At the same time, they are also saying that this bill is robust in protecting 
speech. What did you expect from propaganda? I'm trying to figure all of that out. How subjective is that? No one is safe. If your feelings are hurt, it's a hate crime. Oh, no, it's not. You see, this is where they protect speech. This is actually legitimately a protection of speech, but it's not the type of speech that you think is protected. You see, if you read the key words in that law are protected characteristics. So if you're like, and I don't know, you know, one of those people that goes, you know what the problem in our world is right now? Those damn Christians. Well, that speech is protected because you're not a protected characteristic. You could say that literally all Catholics are pedophiles. That's totally safe because Catholics are not protected. Now, if you said the exact same thing about a Muslim or a Jew, oh, you bigoted, you hateful person. This is the problem when you start eroding speech. Because everyone loves the speech that everyone likes. The speech you need to defend is not that. The speech you need to defend is the speech that people don't like and that they could potentially get butthurt over. Even if you dislike it, you should defend it. As the great Voltaire said, it was one of his best sayings, I will defend your, I may dislike what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. You have to have a right to free speech. All this again is a common theme to what I started in the previous segment and at the start in the monologue. You will comply, comrade. There are things you can say and there are things you cannot say. This is hate speech. This is controlled thought. And they will put you in jail if you say things against someone who's of a minority persuasion. Let's bring it back to America. Why should we care? Why should we care what's happening in Ireland? Why should we care what's happening in England about free speech? How does that impact me here? I don't care. Because it's coming here now. Just think about it. And like people always say, oh, this isn't true. And like, I I know I'm not the biggest Donald Trump supporter or defender, but I always will defend truth when I see it. How many people, do you know what I find so sad under Donald Trump when he was president? The amount of people who are like, there was obviously the people who were like, MAGA, 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 MAGA. And they'd have MAGA in their profile picture. It was clear they were a Donald Trump supporter. But you know what I also met? The people who went, shh, I voted Donald Trump in 2020. Why are you whispering? Because I can't tell my family. I can't tell my friends. They won't be my friends no more. Now, that isn't a hate crime, but that's how it starts. If you have an opinion that you're terrified to tell your friends and your family, just think about people who are a minority of color in this country. Imagine you, imagine, just think even today in 2022, we're nearly at 2023, sadly. If you're a person of color, imagine you're a black person. Do you feel comfortable saying, I'm a Republican? Not not unless you're Kanye West. But like, can you imagine just in the average family dinner? Hey, I'm a Republican. You're an Uncle Tom. You're an Uncle Tom. Or my new favorite saying, and I say, when I say favorite, I mean despicable favorite, because I just can't stand this. Well, you're not really black enough. This is what we're living under. Why should you care? That's the first reason you should care. The second reason you could care, should care is because, and this is maybe the most important, because America is the only nation that said, what? 
in your Bill of Rights, you have a God-given right to speak your mind. Freedom of speech. America, when was the last time the Constitution was defended? Just look on that one issue of the Bill of Rights. How secure is your speech today? How secure is it? Do you feel you have a right to say anything you want? And by the way, it's easy to focus in on the speech we like. Even if you're a jerk, you know, like the old picture of, I used to always picture them, you know, especially down in Florida because it was the first day they visited, you know, when all the older tired men came and you're like, get off my lawn. You know, they, and they're a bit jerky about it as well. Like, let's be honest about it. And they're like, oh, I don't like you and I don't like you and I don't like nobody. That's not hateful. Like, you know, you might listen to, I don't like so-and-so. And you kind of go, well, that's a bit hateful. And then you understand that it's not that it's hateful towards that person. It's they don't like anybody. They're like 80 years of age and they're just kind of at that PO point in life where they're just like, get off my lawn. I don't want to talk to nobody. Does that person have a right to free speech? Yes. Because what happens if you don't have free speech? Let me imagine, let's use the worst case scenario. Imagine there's actually legitimately Nazis living around us in the hundreds of thousands. People would say, well, this law will defend this, right? It will stop this talk. We can't have Nazism in our world today. I agree. But what happens? Do you think these people get educated and learn why Nazism is not a good thing? Or do you think they go underground and they start just talking amongst themselves? And then they also have a common enemy. They're bitter because they were banished from society. And you have no hope of reaching them with common education, with intellect, or reading a history book of why Nazism is, Nazism is horrible and wrong. Is our world more secure with them underground or is it by talking to them in public and saying, this is why you're wrong and reaching people and making a clear case why Nazism is really bad or fascism or communism or socialism, whatever the ism is, globalism. We don't need to push people underground. Where am I wrong? I do not think you're wrong. And if I may interject here, Jonathan, cancel culture has eroded free speech to the point that I recently read a poll, and I wish I could remember where it was from, excuse me, but the poll basically said that over 80% of Americans are afraid to say what they want to say. That's scary. If you love America, if you love the Constitution, if you are an avid, firm supporter of the Constitution, we have to protect free speech. And I abhor some of it. I abhor it when people do not stand their hand over their heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance. I abhor it because that flag is sacred to me. I am disgusted when I see misguided, ignorant, stupid people burning the American flag. But that is protected under the Constitution. We need to support freedom of speech. We need to make a turn because we are going down a dangerous road. And this is the thing that we have. We have many advantages to highlight your point in 2022. 
all these technologies, all like the communication or a standard of living in some ways, obviously the economy and gas prices are really hurting right now. But generally speaking, our standard of living has never been better, like with the, the innovation and the creativity. They don't need to control. They don't need to lock you in your house and say, you can't say these things. They just have to make you uncomfortable enough where, as you said, 80% of Americans don't feel comfortable telling certain things. And I've been in, I've been a victim of this or not a victim, but like I've been in certain crowds where like, I don't feel comfortable saying things. Like, let me give you some examples. I've got friends on all the political spectrum and they're my friends and I don't care what their political spectrum is. I have some people who I know who I'm friendly with. I wouldn't say we're friends, but legitimately think Trump is a Nazi. Now, I'm sorry, and I just use Trump because he's the lightning rod that everyone knows. You think Trump is a Nazi? On that issue, you're a moron. You might be really smart when it comes to baseball or football, and we can talk about that. But when politically, you're a moron. But likewise, on the flip side, I have friends who legitimately think Donald Trump is the best president in history. And I'm like, I've read history books. And this is my opinion. I'm not saying they're wrong. But George Donald Trump has nothing on George Washington. Sorry, no one does. None of the following presidents after George Washington have anything on George Washington because I think he's the greatest. But Donald Trump has nothing on Calvin Coolidge. Donald Trump has nothing on Thomas Jefferson. Tom, Donald Trump hasn't even got anything on Ronald Reagan, in my, in my opinion. But if you want to have that opinion, the four years of Trump was better than anything else you've had, okay, cool. You have a right to. And here's the thing, on both sides of the aisle, on whether he's a Nazi or whether he's the greatest president of all time, I will defend your right to say it. If anyone says you can't say that, I'll be the first one there saying, yes, you can. You may be wrong, but you have a right to say it. And we need more uncomfortable conversations. Because how many times have we seen it? Your country has changed. There used to be always the joke because we're approaching this time, which I cannot believe now. We're approaching Thanksgiving. You used to always talk about it, the Mokyo. Oh, Uncle John is coming to Thanksgiving and he is crazy. <laughs> Just please help me survive. Don't Which let me I sit can... next to him. Yes, that's usually what it is in fairness with me. It's like, don't let me, because he's just going to bore the snot out of me with the Constitution. But here's the thing, right? You're going to have that. You know, I don't hear that anymore. Do you know what I hear? I'm not going to Thanksgiving dinner because he's going or she's going. And I'm like, your family, get over it. Don't talk to each other. Sit at the opposite side of the table. But, you know, make the joke about, hey, oh, my God, we just need to survive today. Make that. We don't do that anymore amongst our own family. Cancel culture is real. Free speech is evaporating because we don't feel comfortable saying it. We need to get back to that point in time where, and I'm sure we'll have that uncomfortableness as we go about the issues as we're learning and working together and going on this journey of freedom together. I'm sure there's going to be times for me and you, and I'm going to annoy you and you're going to annoy me with certain positions. It might be on politics. It might be on principle, but there is going to be a time when we're just, we're like, how can you really think that? We are going to think it of me and vice versa. But guess what? We're friends. We'll get through it. We'll just have to go, okay, we'll have a conversation and maybe one changes the other mind. But if not, there'll be an understanding that guess what? We just have to agree to disagree. And that's okay. We don't have to be groupthink. It's not like, hey, everything it has to be. You have to think everything the way I do. Because who wins that? No one. By the way, not even God, the creator of heaven and earth, felt this way. He said, you shall have free choice. If God is okay with giving you free choice, who am I to say you can't have free choice? 
and not free choice as in pro-choice as in abortion. But that's a whole different kettle of fish. But we are out of time today, America. Can I just leave you with one plea before we get to the end of the show? There's a lot of, and I can't share why I'm saying this, but I ask you to listen to what I'm about to say. This media culture is horrible. This media culture is flat out lying and deceiving you. There's an industry alongside the media industry that has no credit, but somehow in this country is still taken seriously. And that is polling agencies. I don't care how you vote in November. I don't care if the poll says the person you like is 20 points down, get your butt out and vote. I want to share one story with you, which I can't share where it's from because it's confidential. There's someone I know through someone else who's running for office. And I know because I'm helping this person behind the scenes. And that's why I can't share it. I'll share it when the time is right. And the poll came out that they were 20 points down. Do you know what they didn't say in that poll? They literally only polled one of the major cities in their district, which is heavily, heavily Democrat. But they repeated it as fact. I don't care who you vote for. This is not a case of, well, you got to vote for this person or that person. I'm not, I'm, that's not my job. I live here now. I will get political. I will be more political than in the past. But get your butt out and vote. Do not listen to the polls. Even if it's the long shot of long shots of long shots, get out and vote. And again, I'm going to ask you to read a history book. Because if you had said to anyone with any political knowledge that when Donald Trump was coming down that staircase is that he would be the next president of America and that a lot of people would love him and would have inspired a movement, they would have laughed your head off because it was laughable. Yet look at what he did. Donald Trump was the long shot of long shots of long shots. And that's not me insulting him or demeaning him. That's just the way it was politically. I would have said that about any non-political person back then. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Hanks, it's a political class. You have to pay your dues in the party. That's just the way it always is. Donald Trump said, no, not, that's not the rule book for me. And kudos for doing that. I don't care who your candidate is. Get out and vote. Don't listen to the polls. Don't listen to the media. Don't listen to anyone who says they haven't got a chance of winning. If you like them and you think they can make a difference, whether it's for a local race, whether it's for a state senate, for state house, for attorney general, for governor, for S secretary of state, for even for DC offices, get out and vote and support your favorite candidate. This is a message I'm going to be sharing over the coming weeks because I'm seeing it time and time again. And I'm hardly Mr. GOP. I'm hardly Mr. Hey, the Republican Party is awesome. That's not me. You know, I usually say the opposite. But I don't care what Republican you like or whatever it is. There, there's media lies against Republican candidates across this country that's saying they haven't got a chance. It's lies. It is nothing. This is Pravda. And it needs to stop. Because, and how does it stop? It doesn't stop by us shutting them down or taking away their license. It stops when we stop listening. When we get out of our little maze of cancel culture, of believing what they want us to believe. It gets out when we start doing our own homework. Get out and vote. But also, if you're in a situation where you really like some candidate, regardless of what office they is, get out and support them and get other people to support them too. Because that is a part of saving our country. Amen. Tina, who have you got on your show this week? 
This week on the We the People, Our American Story podcast, my guests are Andrew and Matt, who are co-hosts of the Disarranged Talk Show podcast. These two men met in the Marines, became the best of friends. They talk about the day that their lives changed when they were sent out to collect the remains of fallen Marines from a helicopter, how that totally devastated them and what they saw that day, the carnage. We also talk about the darkness of PTSD. They are very candid and real about it. But then we also talk about the brightness, the light of America. You can find this podcast by going to story and finding your favorite podcast platform. And finally, we salute the U.S. military, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I salute you, the great American people, America. You will be the secret sauce that saves America. We will share the stories on this show. We will share the news. We will share the principles. But you got to take that message and you got to share it with everyone you know. Get out and vote. And in the sentiments of the Tocqueville, America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.